Good to have you back with us. You know, Beirut is begging for help and the world is ready to help, to be very generous, in fact. But where the aid goes is crucial because before this disaster, Lebanon was a country on the cusp of economic collapse. You know, they're dealing with record unemployment, food shortages, electrical shortages. There have been mass political protests, uh, you know, fighting political corruption dominated by incompetent, greedy warlords and Hezbollah, which has led to a real despair. And they're also dealing with a Syrian refugee crisis. And then you add in the coronavirus and now an explosion that has killed 135 people, at least injured uh, over 10,000 and left to the numbers that we have now, 300,000 homeless. So yes, the world needs to help, but it's where that money goes that makes sure that they can actually recover. I want to uh, bring in Carmen Geha, who's an associate professor of public administration, and she is in Lebanon and joins us. Good to have you, Professor. Thank you very much. What is the situation right now, if you can characterize that? Uh, I just wanna say that I'm very heartened by your question and by the uh, scrutiny that the international community is beginning to apply. Uh, after decades uh, of the civil war, the international community continued to provide aid and technical assistance to the same people that put 3000 tons of ammonium nitrates and used our bodies and our shops as human shields. The situation is like a movie from, from an apocalyptic movie. I mean, I can't even tell you. It's, it's, it's blood, it's glass everywhere, it's anger, it's a coronavirus. I mean, I can't even tell you. It's, I think the pictures speak a lot, but I mean, just being there, the city smells of blood and glass, if that makes sense, and rage, a lot of rage. Yeah, you, know, you see these images from a world away and we are insulated from the true pain and despair and fear and I would think a lot of anger that has, uh, it was already cultivated before this. And, and where is it now? I mean, obviously blame is going to be placed. And, and from, from just looking outside in, I wonder how on earth could a government leave that much explosive power so recklessly right beside a fireworks uh, warehouse? It, none of it makes sense. And they knew from 2014 that these shipments came in. I mean, the official excuse that they're giving is not even imaginable. I mean, if this is the narrative they want to go with, this is the story they want to tell, it makes them look really, really bad. And if this is their public story, I wonder what is it, what is it that they're not telling us. Um, I think people need to help. I think we need to stand on our own two feet, two feet again. We need every bit of aid. It should go to charities, social institutions. But if the world also wants to help, they need to help us get rid of this government. We are held hostage by these people and no one deserves to live in this way. It's, it's, regimes have been toppled for much less than what they did to us, much less. Let me let me start with your comment on, on the narrative of, of what they're telling the world. Um, is that your belief that, that this is made up? I mean, do you believe something else happened here? Is it possible that Hezbollah possibly, you know, lit something hoping that this would explode? Or what do you believe happened? What do the people of Lebanon think happened? There are many plausible scenarios and many plausible stories. And in an age of social media, some people say they saw a rocket. Uh, I, I saw a video with, with what looked like drones. Other people say, you know, it probably it, it wasn't an Israeli attack, but that's not what they're telling us. Was it an inside job? 
But the truth is, and the real story here right now is what you were saying, is why are they storing this material near our shops and our homes and our kids and our workers? This was the first day back to work, peak time, 6 p.m. Everybody's like we were on lockdown for a few days. It was the first day out, very busy streets, busy bars that are already reeling from economic collapse. And people have no faith in whatever they say or do. This is a, a group of politicians that have failed to pick up the trash we don't have electricity in Lebanon because there's 40 billion in fuel for the electricity sector that we don't know where they went. So whatever they say, whatever they investigate, whatever they decide to do, no one has any faith in them. So if you want to help Lebanon, help through aid, sponsor a home, a family. I mean, even the fixing a door costs like $300. And there are 300, 400,000 homes that need doors. Help with that, but also help us topple them. And they need right. to be brought to justice. And people want revenge. That's the mood. In in you know making it because people will want to donate. It's in other words, give to places like the Red Cross, an international um, you know well known organization. Otherwise, the money itself will go to these warlords, uh, terrorists, and it will not get to the people in need. Absolutely, and this has happened before. There are you know there are a lot of committees and and development funds that were set up uh, after several crises, the two thousand six war, even after the Lebanese war, and none of them contributed anything. And it's easy. The thing is, it's easy to help because the destruction is so much. I can't begin to. You can help with anything. You know, you can send glass. You can send money. You can you know sponsor somebody's hospital bill. You don't need to be giving legitimacy political to these people or giving them money that we're never going to see. The day before this blast happened, Lebanon's foreign minister resigned, warning that Lebanon was the verge of becoming a failed state. Does this uh, particular event uh, seal that fate? And and do you see, um, you know, there were po political uprisings before this. Where do you see this going? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, the, the protest, the revolution, I think was very clear in indicting them and saying that we want justice. But the thing is, like, after financial collapse, when you lose, when your salary becomes at one tenth what it was and then a pandemic. So I think, you know, people were still trying to organize. We're still trying to, you know, come up with alternatives. But right now the fail, the fate is sealed. We are in a failed state. We are more than in a, in a criminal state. They assassinated a group of firefighters and sent them back to put off the fire. And then the bomb went off. They sent 25 year old kids to die. So it's not a failed state. It's a regime that's killing us. The world can watch and then we turn into another Afghanistan, Syria, you know, Yemen, however you want to see it. But right now, the tipping point that we're at is removing legitimacy from these people. Help the Lebanese people stand back on their feet, sponsor someone's hospital bill, help someone buy a door. That's where we're at. Yes, it's a failed state. The way you say to, to um, you know, start growing uh, success is, is to topple those in charge. But who in the world right now could do that? The United Nations is hardly... Uh, showing itself to be a fighter and defender um, of nations like uh, Lebanon. Um, you know, I don't know who could lead that charge. Who would it be? Yeah, I understand. And I know, as I say this out loud, that the history of the world is a, is a history that where bad people win and powerful people win and people with weapons win. I, I can promise you this. We will not ever elect them again and we will avenge the city. But now, for now, international agencies, the UN, whoever can spare a dime, individuals should help us get back on our feet. But I'm, I'm promising from this show that we'll, we'll figure out a way to topple them. And people are even willing you know, to go really far in this. But first, we need to stand on our own two feet.
Absolutely. I mean, the devastation, we're talking $15 billion, which is 10 times the city of Toronto's budget. Um, it is an enormous, enormous cost to, to rebuild and not just the cost, it's going to take decades. Yeah, and we're still counting bodies, by the way. So we still don't have a final toll. There are tens of people's pictures going around. People are missing loved ones. So it's almost 48, it's 48 hours and we still didn't, we, we we, kept, we didn't pick up the bodies. I mean, it's something unimaginable. It is so unimaginable, and uh, we feel safe watching on the other side of the world, but um, it is a time to act. Do you believe that this is a, a turning point, or it could be a turning point? Because you know the headlines will fade, the world will start watching something else. So if change doesn't happen now, is it going to fail? It has to be a turning point. This is the last uh, chance. Otherwise, uh, we're going to die one way or another, or everybody's going to emigrate, for whoever can emigrate with emigrate. It has to be a turning point. And that's up to us, and, I, and, I, and, and we will do this. But right now, no, we can't become another story. 3,000 tons of ammonium nitrate getting bombed in the middle of the day cannot be a story that people shake. Anyone who's watching, sponsor someone's hospital bill, help us put a door back up, and then we will revenge our own our own politicians. Professor, I thank you so much for your time. I know it's late there and I know you're very busy, but I appreciate you joining us and getting- I appreciate you telling the story. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've got a very big Lebanese community in um, in Canada. So no question, they will want to help. And, uh, and you heard the best way you can help. Just don't hand money over to anybody. Make sure it goes to a reputable organization who can actually help the people of Lebanon and not go to the bad actors in that country.